It was a good show, boys. Bro, why do you always say it backwards? Yeah, I don't know. He just <laughs> <laughs> we've told him a thousand times. He's just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, bro, just, I think he does it on purpose at this point. What is it? Same time, same corner. Same corner, same time. Same corner, same time. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you to meet me at seven and then tell you where I'm gonna meet. I would say, hey, right. meet yeah. me here and then at this time. At that time, right? I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, keep all this too. So you got, you got that on a T-shirt. You have that on a T-shirt, right? We have a lot of content. Here. I gotta go. I gotta go eat, dog. Hey, what, what do we want to name this show? You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's your boy 35, the All-American. And Dan. It's a beautiful day to be on Stadium Miguel, man. How y'all boys doing? Y'all doing all right? Delightful, Dan. Delightful. Why Why are you so delightful, Ahmad? I don't know. That's just the first word that came to mind. Is it because mm-hmm. your bucks are going to the Super Bowl? Well, you know, I'm still having a little, little hangover, man. You know, my, my, my team and I in the Super Bowl, so. You know, I, I, I let Silk have all this little. Yeah, hey, yada, yada, yada. I, I let Silk have his praise with, with Urban. Come to eat my humble pie. Um, shout out to the Tampa Bay Bucks. They made it to the Super Bowl. And shout out okay. to Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? Congratulations, Ahmad. You get to, you know what I'm saying, celebrate. Celebrate now, though. Celebrate now. Well, nah. Listen, listen. Huh? We, we, we got to win it now. We got to win think, it. You think you got a shot? Yeah, we got a shot. <laughs> That's we, we it. Got, You're not exuding confidence, am I? We got a rip. I mean, yeah, I'll put the Chiefs like they're some unbeatable team, bro. They literally have two. They're not really. A little bit. They beat us about three in the regular season. Okay. So what do okay. you think? What do you think happens? You think you guys take all the glory? I mean, I'm not down Tom Brady, so – you guys, you might, I, I'm down Tom Brady. I know, I know what y'all defense may do, but Tom Brady look a little, look a little not yeah, Tom Brady. Right. I mean, let's let's be quite frank. He threw three picks. One of them bounced off of Evans' hands, and the other one was we should have ran the ball on thirty-two. No mm-hmm. ifs, ands, or buts about it. Bad, bad protection. He ran in there. He tried to make a jump, throw a jump ball. Mm-hmm. We run the ball right there. That's, that's one interception in the game. Man, just c- congratulations, man. Be able to celebrate your team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's just, dope. That's dope. Yeah, it, it, I, I've never experienced that with yeah, it. I've never experienced that in my life. When when they lose, uh, when they went to, um when they won in 2002, man, that was so cool because I was like probably like in the seventh grade and I was living in Lakeland at the time. So, um, you know, my mom, my mom's sister, my aunt used to cheer for the Bucks. So I've always been a Bucks fan. And um, when they when they won, my mom was like, "Come on, let's get in the car. Let's go to Tampa." I'm like, what? All right. So, boom, we we went and, and got in the Tampa shenanigans that night, and I hear Tampa was real wild last night. I know COVID out there, but y'all tripping. <laughs> yeah, Tampa. So, speaking from a, a downtown Tampa person, Tampa was uh, was a little bit lit last night. Uh, yeah. Not as lit as like it would normally be, but definitely the bars were were full. Yeah, Tampa. The, the really the state of Florida doesn't truly believe in COVID, but uh, there's an area called Sparkling Wharf that was pretty packed. Uh, the Sail Pavilion area was packed. All the bars were packed, but. Um, shout out to the city of Tampa. Um, they got the Stanley Cup champions. They got a team that made it to the World Series and now a team that made it to the Super Bowl. So, in the same year, not bad, right? Yeah, it's dope. 
That's no bad at all, man. Shout out to Tampa, city of Tampa. Yeah, you're right, Dan. Like nobody's respecting the Rona in Florida because I went out. <laughs> no, I went out last no. night. Uh, I was at downtown Delray with the family, and as we riding the strip, we see all these packed bars. I'm just like, bro, I don't know if we about to eat out here tonight because the bars <laughs> are packed. And I don't see one person with a mask. That's what I'm saying. It's like, like I don't know, bro. I went in the store the other day, and it's like a huge mask mask requirement on the door and it's four people with 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 no mask on so i asked the lady i'm like is there a requirement she's like oh it's just like mondays you know they do they don't i'm like nah <laughs> y'all tripping bro That's what they do mind. is they um they require masks to get set once you get set you just taking your mask off so you sit at the bar your table then you just all free willy-nilly you walk the 11 feet from the hostess stand to your table and then the coronas you got a little uh got a little shelter little I, I don't i don't here. mind because i understand that you're yeah. in a restaurant or bar and you can't eat with a mask on right i right. I, I, I just like to go into restaurants or bars now that that are respecting the space and right. not filling every table so yeah, um, we, went, we went to racks and del rey and, and it was like maybe three people sitting on the inside maybe eight nine people at the bar so they was respecting the social distancing well, we went to one on St. Pete um, a few weeks ago, hmm. and they sat us outside, so which was cool. You know, we sat outside, and um, you know, it was spaced out. Well, I guess you know more people start coming, and they start bringing extra tables. I'm like, no, bro, that's not what you <laughs> do, bro. Like, what are you doing? You don't bring extra tables and chairs to try to seat everybody who's coming, bro. And like, so I don't know, man. I guess it depends on where you. Some places have mandates, some people don't. So, yeah, I um. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to do my best here as well. It's tough. You know, Tampa doesn't really do do much. So trying to, uh, I mean, you also, we also got to, I like, like at this point, we've been a year under this thing. So I get the balance of like, we also got to live a little, you know, like we can't be packaged in a house for a year. Like everybody's got to try to find some balance in this where you go out a little bit and can social distance. It's a new norm. It's not hide yourself forever. It's trying to find, What's gonna be that new norm? What's acceptable? Like the, unacceptable? The, the happy you know? medium. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Because I mean, you gotta think about people's mental. Um, as for sitting inside, and not being able to go out and, and enjoy themselves and whatnot. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But uh, but man, I hope you guys had a good weekend. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate the shout out on uh, the Big Three Wallet. Had a good birthday on uh, Wednesday. Uh, we raised a thousand dollars for cancer research. Uh, so shout out to uh to everybody that donated. Appreciate you boys. Hey, Dan, Already, I, miss your, I miss your birthday, bro, and I apologize. So happy birthday, bro. Happy belated. Next year, it'll be bigger and better, Ahmad. Yeah, you just got to donate next year. Make up for it. You can still donate. Uh, yeah, you sure can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, send, I'll send you the link. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we got a big show this week. Uh, we got a lot of content to talk about. So let's give a shout out to our, our first sponsor, the Thomas Firm, which is going to help you handle all insurance claims for property damage to your homes or businesses. Other uh, lawyers have well over 20 years of experience handling roof damage, leaks from storms, water damage, hail damage, hurricanes, sinkholes, fire, etc. So give them a call, 813-221-2525. There is no charge unless they help you recover what you are owed from the insurance mm-hmm. company, 813-221-2525, tntattorneys.com. It's free until you make your money back. So oh, um, I like that. You got to love is, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a trial for it's risk-free, right? Yeah. You know, it's like the, so it's I'm not like saying the waste 30, their time, but if you got some questions, give them a call. That's what they're there for. It's like the 30 day trial at like 247 or athletic. You get the 30 days to kind of see if you like what you're reading. Yeah, it's like that 100 day mattress guarantee. You know what I mean? Right. If it's free, it's for me, as Spencer says. A uh, 100 day mattress is probably, they should probably like give it to you at that point. You got to kind of keep it. Yeah, There's I'm, so I'm many mattress companies so, so, now. Can you imagine so, so for like 10 you, years, so, all you did was rotate your mattress every 100 days? I'm saying, so what what they do with it when you send it back? Like, yeah. 
Like, I don't think they can take it back. I don't know. Like, so what, what, it, so I, so I got a new mattress like three, like three years ago from, I don't know. It was like Lisa or purple or one of them. They don't sponsor our podcast. So I'm not going to try to remember who they are. So Alrighty. they sent me, I, I wanted a, a, a queen size for my guest bedroom. And they sent me a, it was either a full or a tween instead. And I said, Hey, and it was one of those ones that come in the box. So like, once you unroll it is when you're like, Oh shoot, this is too small. So I called them. They're like, Oh no, that's fine. Just keep it. We'll send you a new one. So they sent me a new one. They overnighted the next day. And I was like, well, what do I do with this extra mattress? So I just sold it for like 250 bucks and because it's still oh, in the wrapping and everything, never been used. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Ain't bad. That's nice. But the hundred day you can return a mattress thing is insane. Just so we can move forward after that. But if you sleep <laughs> on the mattress a hundred days and you return it, that's a wild life to live on day ninety four. You're just like, this just isn't working for me. This is not comfortable. And look, especially with what's going on in these streets right now. <laughs> you know, and you're giving mattresses back, you know, lay it up off. Nah, my God. I ain't even worried about COVID. I'm worried about everything else that could possibly happen in that bed. But what do you, what do you got, Dan? What yeah. You <laughs> about? yeah. So, as always, give the Thomas firm a call. You 1322125255. So, uh, the Florida Gators announced today on Monday, uh, it was uh, leaked out over the weekend that Jules, I believe it's Montaner, uh, will be joining the University of Florida from. Uh, the University of South Florida, he came over as a uh, the defensive back or cornerbacks coach, pardon me, and recruiting coordinator. He had the exact same role at USF last year. Um, I'm just going to run through his background just a little bit. The year before that, he was with uh, with Georgia as a defensive quality control coach. The year before, the three years before that, so 2016 and 2018, he was at Texas State. As their cornerbacks coach before that, he was with James Madison. Uh, and then previous to that, he was a graduate assistant at Alabama, Purdue, and then was the Lake Erie College defensive backs coach and then was with Eastern Kentucky from 08 to 09. So younger guy, I believe he's 32 or 33. He mm-hmm. was a Sunbelt Recruiter of the Year in 2017 um, and has a, a decent, uh, decent background, but a name that kind of came – uh, out of nowhere, but kind of came like a flash in the night on Friday night, Saturday morning. So, so what are your thoughts on him? Uh, I'm not, I think it's a, it's a uh, solid hire with good potential uh, mm-hmm. in the recruiting aspect. Uh, it, it uh, It's a lot to be desired as far as like on-field stuff. Like we like to see here at the draft picks, the production and all that, but uh, you lose a little, little bit of that with youth. Yeah. Uh, we got an older guy with Wesley McGriffin in the, in the secondary that's coaching as well. I wanted some youth on the staff. I would have I would have wanted the guy from Pitt a little bit more, like his yeah. resume a little better. He's uh, recruited at a little higher level than USF, mm-hmm. uh, so I wanted to see maybe that type of guy come and a young black guy to coach the DBs. But I'm not mad. I like that Jules is from the state of Florida. He's mm-hmm. played here. He's won a state championship here. He's a uh, one recruiter of the year in the Sun Belt. He's recruited well in the Sun Belt, so. He got a lot to, that you could like, and there's a lot of uh, potential there. But um, just seeing us get lined up in a lot of things we had schematically wrong this offseason, that like getting a young guy that was not a, a huge resume as for developing guys uh, spooks me a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely out of, the, out of the blue for me. Um, right. I, I saw that, and, you know, although he, he, you know, he's one of the good recruiters from the Sun Belt, um, does that does that correlate to the SEC and, and what type of guys we get? Usually does. Like recruit, usually does. recruiting usually just recruits. Like if I'm a good salesman at selling cars, if I'm at Napleton, because I would I would suspect one if if I'm recruiting a guy in Florida, 
I'm going to recruit him differently than USF. You tell him different things. It's different pitches to that. You know I think like if right, you could, but like, just have a different caliber of person that you're recruiting as well. Yeah. Right. I think listen because if he's some belt recruit a year, he, they, they're putting him toward uh, versus other people, his counterparts, people with similar correct like type prospects that they're after. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? So if so, he's the best of that, like usually when you can sell, you just can sell. So that translate if you're a good salesman, it translates from job to job. So I think it's going to translate, but that also starts at the top. Like if Dan Mullen doesn't care about recruiting. I don't know why this guy's gonna come in any extra and like, like, like what, exactly problems. So is he is he is he brought in to be the what the savior? No, I, I don't think no, so. I don't think so. I think he's brought in for a couple of things. But Ahmad, just to answer your question about the Sun Belt, I think it's it's actually probably harder to recruit in the Sun Belt and the G five than it is to do in the SEC. And I'm not saying that the, the competition isn't it's harder in the SEC. Yeah, it's it's, a, a, it's a lot harder to get a kid. And what you're trying to do at like the Sunbelt AAC level and everything else is you're trying to con- trying to convince a couple of kids, hey, don't go be like the sixth guy on the depth chart at UF or you right, know Tennessee right, or right. South Carolina. Come be the number one guy at our school. And like right. obviously if you're selling Texas State compared to – Texas A&M, it's very, very different. So you have to, you know, it, right. it, it, it's truly a challenge and truly hard. So I think to become recruiter of the year, you know, is a definite, I mean, it, it's a, it's a feather in his cap. Um, you know, I don't know much about his ability to, you know, develop talent. He doesn't seem like he's been anywhere long enough to truly develop, you know, great players. So we'll, we'll see there um, his ability to scout out talent. He's had some players that have made, you know, some first and second team, all conferences, uh, from James Madison and Texas State, uh, both when he was there and then when he left. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how he fits there. But, you know, I think that he's a good recruiter, which is what Florida needed. Do I think he's an upgrade over Torian Gray? Probably not. Um, no but do probably. I think like he, McGriff? And, on, paper, on paper, he's not upgrade. Right. So, right. But, but I think the combination of McGriff and Montaner is probably a net positive over the English Gray duo considering the production and the recruiting we got out of those two spots like we i just want to see a breath fresh air guys that get lined up and it just we just need a younger or uh, staff and i wanted somebody that wasn't on mullins tree mm-hmm. you know i think he gets a little comfortable and hire a lot of guys he's comfortable with uh that just goes along with the flow so i, I was good to, i was happy to see that he's not from mullins tree um he's young Right. Uh, he's one recruiter a year in the Sun Belt, and I think just like selling just translates to anything, you know. Um, right. And I think that he's been, you know, he played at uh, West Virginia before he transferred to Eastern Kentucky, and then that was his first job uh, coaching was at Eastern Kentucky. Um, but right. he did work under Nick Saban at Alabama as a graduate assistant. He worked Correct. with Kirby Smart. Um, so even though he wasn't coaches on either of those quality control and graduate assistant, I think that he's been around good coaches. He's been around good programs. He's been around people that are doing things right. So, I mean, I, I like that for him. Um, I like that they promoted him, um, you know, into that role, uh, you know, under that, that staff uh, at USF. Right. I moved him into that role. Um, I know that, you know, Scott, um, Coach Scott over at USF is a, is a very well-respected guy. And, you know, if he thought that he was worthy of that bump up, then, you know, I think that that speaks, you know, highly of him as well. But I guess we won't know until, you know, yeah. August. Yeah, we're all in wait and see mode, but the, I mean, we'll know about his recruiting before August for sure. Oh, we'll for know sure. about his recruiting fairly early here. But um, I'm glad that it's done, though. I mean, they've been, what, three, four weeks without a full staff? Yeah. 
Not just done. I'm just uh, I had to take it. I'm forgetting what I was about to say, but I'm just happy that like, it's like like I said, nobody's off of Mullen tree. You know what right. I'm saying? This is a guy like Mullen has been known to go for the guy that that can make sure he they 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 know his system, uh, can X and O this thing, and and be more of an on field coach. He don't really go after the guy with the less of a resume, X and O wise, and the recruiter. Right. So I'm I'm happy that we went with a guy that has more of a recruiting background than X and O. Even though we want to get lined up and got some other things to fix, but I think that's a little outside of Mullen box to go after a guy that has more of a recruiting thing mm-hmm. than than I would say, and also the youth there. Uh, but I do I still think we're still putting a band aid on a broken leg because I think mm-hmm. the problem was with the DC, but that's a different story. Yeah, and and uh, we we saw that there wasn't going to be a change there, so we have to kind of deal with you know what the what the options were. Um, I mean, this is my thing. I don't know enough about too many other position coaches that are out there. I mean, you know, your Corey Raymond's, your right. you know, your T Robs and stuff like that. But like the names that you hear every year. But you know, if if Mullen and you know Scott and you know the rest of these guys feel like he's qualified, then you got to give him his best shot. You got to be supportive of him. I mean, I think he could have done a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, with that news, also, it seems like Christian Robinson has accepted a, a counteroffer or, or a raise to stay at the University of Florida. There was some flirtation uh, with Michigan. Football Scoop announced, uh, I believe, last weekend uh, that he was heading to Michigan. There was some discussion that we had last week that he was going to probably stay. It seems like you know the dust has settled there and that Christian Robinson will stay uh, at the University of Florida as a linebacker's coach with a raise. What a and weird think, situation, right? You, that was, you, you that was think, weird. You think that was leveraged? Um, I don't know. I will say this: in the working world, counter offers don't usually work out very well. But I know coaching is very different. Um, I think what happens when you try to appease salary once, you know, to say, "Hey, I want to make more money," then there's always going to be the threat that that person's going to leave for more money. So you're always playing this game of cat and mouse, right? Nobody's ever completely satisfied with their salary, and I think that giving in um, has put Florida in a position where they're going to probably have to overpay Christian Robinson for the duration of his time in Florida, which I think is terrible. And I'm, there's nothing disparaging against him. Hey, he worked out. He's about to get married. I understand trying to take home the bacon, but that's a that's a a tough position to just you know put yourself in the corner. Of. They didn't put. I'm gonna be like. I just think Dan Mullen likes continuity and, and a lot of other things. But um, for a guy that we thought was tied to Todd Grantham's hip, that seems not to be the case, right? We thought wherever Todd Grantham go, this guy's gonna that's go. Where he, that's where he was gonna go. Yeah. Unless right. unless he had no intentions of going. Yeah, leverage. I just think we could watch that out. Yeah, I don't know if it's leverage because he didn't have le- he had leverage on who not UF, but Mullen. Because I don't think UF want to give anybody raises out to what the defensive performance, especially what we just put out last. That's what I'm saying yeah. with, with Mullen. I mean, nah, man, we at the linebacker position that was a real liability. Literally, Dan, Dan wants his guys. <laughs> he want he wants his guys. He's loyal to mm-hmm. his guys. But, but, We've but, seen that. But when it, when is what's the threshold to that? When, when oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like leverage mm-hmm. on who? He didn't have leverage on UF. I'm pretty sure the administrator, the people that are really cutting the checks, wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yo, we, we're cutting a little space and we got to. Yeah, I don't know. I think that Florida's in a, a interesting spot with, with Christian Robinson. Um, I'm not sure how he played this. I'm not sure if he was seriously going to leave. I'm not sure if he was using the media uh, to position. 
I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what he was doing. Do I think that he lied about an offer? No, absolutely not. Do I think that he could have gone no, that was real. to Michigan? Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Do I think that there was probably a greater likelihood that he was using that for leverage to stick around with Dan Mullen? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what the internal functionality and they'll never admit it, you know, looks like when it comes to giving raises to your staff and everything else and how much money Dan Mullen has control over Scott Strickland, you know, and the ability to negotiate those offers. But, you know, you can see that, you know, he was able to say, Hey, I've got another opportunity in Florida through, you know, a considerable amount of money for him to stay. And I just don't know if that's a, a warranted thing. And I get continuity, but. All right. For the Christian Robinson thing, cause I think we've all like been um, to the point where we want to give Christian Robinson a raise. Right. Uh, he, he's done well in the recruiting department. And um, when he had guys like the, the, the McElwain linebackers, uh, like Reese, those guys looked a little, not Reese. Uh, what's my other man's name? Voshan. Well, not Voshan. The other guy. The, the, the little. Ventura? With, or Houston? Oh, maybe I'm talking about Reese. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> one of the linebackers, <laughs> he, he's done well with the linebackers that, that, that the McElwain guys left. They did, they did okay. And then he's recruited well. I think we're starting to see the production from his guys that he's recruiting, bringing on campus, them not developing and not being ready and our linebacker struggling this year. We're like, okay, why does this guy deserve a raise? But this is also a guy that we thought could get a, should get a raise because he was underpaid and he was recruiting well. But he did. Right, like his right. first year at Florida, he was making $80,000. Right. And then his I'm second just, I'm year just pointing was making out. I'm just pointing out how the, I'm just pointing out how it changed. Well, yeah, now, now we're to, like he got a raise, but now we're just like okay, like he's gotten a raise. He's not like getting paid like like a mechanic or or like a local shady tree mechanic or anything. Now he's getting paid like a SEC positional coach. Why does he deserve a raise? There's no production. Like our linebacker room isn't progressing. It's not mm-hmm. getting better. They struggled this year in the workforce. If you if you're not performing well, and you don't get raises. Yeah. yeah. You Right. Christian Robinson got a $115,000 raise before the start of last season. And I don't think that last season warranted a raise. Um, and this is my thing, right? I work in a great guy. Like it's not in person. This is about the staff as a whole, right? right. Like, well, he just happens to be the guy that was threatening to leave. Right? right. So, you know, you look at the, the whole of it and then, you know, I work in a business where I, I deal a lot with, with this kind of stuff. And, you know, you've now positioned yourself where Christian Robinson is going to do one of two things, just like any person would, you're going to continue to flirt and you're going to continue to get those raises, or you're going to make that jump, you know, for us and be like, well, you know, we, we can't keep doing this or your hands are tied behind your back. But like, no matter what it is, like both parties are never going to feel, you know, completely satisfied, you know, with each other once this you know, process starts. And I think, I think that the clock, no matter what I give Christian Robinson a max of two years for him to still be at the university of Florida in his current role. And if he leaves for a DC role, I think it'll be for like a small school or he'll leave to be a similar role somewhere else. But I just don't mm-hmm. think that you can have this posturing back and forth last for a while. I think the issue is our linebackers is not performing well. Like I don't care about the posturing. I don't care about the leverage. Like he's just not doing a great job right now, and and I don't know why Dan went to bat that hard for him to get back. Like it was a little back and forth going on on Twitter and like the the, the sources and mm-hmm. the news that was coming out. In my mind, I'm like, if he wants out, can we upgrade this position? 
not like let's try to keep him in the fold because we want some continuity. Is there a better linebacker coach out there? Should we go get him? And the guy at Auburn is a good linebacker coach that can really recruit, recruit. Right. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that in the uh, the group chat. I I, I don't know. I mean, but if you're posturing for a raise and you get one when your group is historically one of the worst defenses Florida's had and you're not like your linebacker group was was stellar – that's when you start to wonder, you know, about the situation that you're in. And sometimes you just have to let people walk. I was talking to a client about it today. Sometimes you just have to let people walk and figure right. it out that's, you know, that's on their own. And and I'm not trying to disparage Christian Robinson or anybody else, but you know, if somebody was historically performing that bad and there was an opportunity for them to make more money somewhere else, sometimes you just have to, you know, put your 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 tail between your legs and say, Hey, go, you know, go see if the grass is any greener in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. You got based off the relationships, man. It's just, you know, when when are we gonna get past that? I mean, at some point Real we gotta quick. put the best people out there and win games. Real quick, Ahmad. So like say you you're a DB. Right. Obviously, we got two new DB coaches coming in. What is that like? like I don't know if you would experience that, but as a player, when you got two yeah, fresh new coaches coming in, the staff is still the same, so it's not a whole new staff. So, so we we kind of did something like that where we moved because my my freshman year was Doc Holiday at safety coach. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Heater was a corner coach. And then the next year, Doc Holliday got the Marshall job, and we brought in Vance Befford. And then Vance Befford went to the corners, and they moved Heater to the safeties. So Heater was – I mean, it was almost kind of like we got new coaches, kind of, because Heater wasn't coaching the safeties before. Well, right. Doc Holliday was, right? So um, it, it, it was different. You got you to you, you kind of, like, see how they coach and, you know, how, how they are – um, as a coach uh, in the film room on the field, um, a lot of those things that you can't you can't find out right now. Then you can't go on the field and see how he coaches right now. So you gotta kind of build your relationship. Um, what with are they gonna get different, Amar? This is my question. What are they gonna get different now? Like it's the same scheme. So well, what are these coaches right, gonna so, come so, in and sell so, different in the scheme? Why like scheme wise? What are they? What are these guys gonna say different than Torian and anybody else that they wouldn't like? They're pretty much getting the message from from. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm dropping stuff. They pretty much getting the message from Grant on like how this defense is going to run, right? But my, but my thing is though, would they have the authority to make those kind of changes? Because I heard before that Tory and them didn't have the authority to make no changes. So what no, real change no, are we getting? That's what that's the that's the question. So the the, the small things that Vance Bedford and brought in, I remember Vance Bedford was at Michigan um, mm-hmm. the, the year before when we played them in the Capital One um, bowl game. And he just bought simple things like, hey, man, y'all got to check your ego at the door. All right. His first ever team meeting was having us check our egos at the door. Right. So, um, I, you know, I, I, he, he just taught, taught us how to be humble, um, go out there and work hard every day. Even though we're on the same scheme, we still right. got Charlie Strong and working his scheme. But he just taught us how to approach the game differently. How to, how to, he did tell us how to look at two to one differently. And little small things that you, that'll help you on the field, how to uh, kind of anticipate the play before it happens. But, like, not only that, sometimes you just need to hear things differently. I mean, Silk, you played. I mean, I played, you know, hockey for 12 years. Sometimes, you know, I would go to a clinic or something else. I would hear, you know, a coach come in and say something that my coach had been telling me the exact same thing, you know, a hundred times. And you hear from somebody else, it clicks at that right. time, maybe that one example or that one, you know, coaching technique. Right. And you you come back and be like, oh, my gosh, can you believe what I, I just learned? And your coach yeah, is like, I've been telling you that for years and you're like yeah, yeah i know but like so sometimes but, it's just know, different voices you know i'm sure you guys have had you know plenty of teachers in your life and then one teacher teach something this way and you know you, you get it taught a different way you're like ah why, why didn't they teach it like that before 
All right. So it's different, a hundred different ways to skin a cat. Maybe they can come in and teach the same thing differently. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Where where they can better understand it. I get that, but do do you think our issue was was like from a technique standpoint, skills thing? Like, because I didn't think technique wise, what we had like a lot of issues. I think from our scheme, you know, like so. I don't. I, just, what, it, what I'm it, trying to say is, it, I don't it just be small stuff. Like, so what I what I wasn't understanding last year, bro, was like when I when I look at message boards and all this, that you know, day after the games, and they're like, man, a lot of corners were ten yards back, and da 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 da, and then some people were like, oh, that's that's Grantham, and then some people were like, well, that's the corner, and it's like, I'm like, dog, if it's if it's third and four, and my coach is telling me to to be ten yards off, I'm gonna freaking come up. If they're running slants on me. I don't care what my coach say. I, if I'm anticipating the play, and sometimes you got, at one point you got to be a football player. So, um, you know the scheme and whatnot. It, it, you know, I heard some guy say it's difficult. I heard it's it's a, it's a lot going into Grantham scheme. I heard it's almost like Chinese to some of these kids. Literally, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, new I've guys heard, coming in. I've heard that from um, some of the players, like yeah, you know, bro. Like the former, the former, not not Chad or like to point out any particular dad, but guys that have played in the league and got kids playing on our roster are saying like. Bro, this scheme is a little bit too complex for what he's trying to do. He might want to dumb it down a little bit. For sure, for sure. And I know, like, I mean. Well, and sometimes, sorry, sorry, Mike. I mean, sometimes that can be changed by coaching, right? I mean, you know, there's some concepts, you know, you know, calculus, statistics, maybe that, you know, one person tries to teach you and, you know, maybe they're not a great teacher at one specific thing, but maybe they can come in, try to teach you something differently. You know, all of a sudden you start to put it together and maybe that scheme that didn't make sense before now might start to make more sense. Maybe like the new guys come in and even though they haven't been many places, maybe they've been somewhere where like they've seen this scheme, some type similar. Or maybe it's a bad scheme. It could be literally right. right? So, so we uh, stuck with it. So we got to make the best of it. So we're going to be optimistic that. (laughs) And and this is what I like. I mean, you you found Wesley McGriff, who's been around for a long time. You know, has excelled as a defensive backs coach and a safeties coach. You know, in his career, is a good recruiter. Then you have a good up and comer. You know, we'll see. Um, You know, there's going to be turnover as long as Dan Mullins here. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, with people moving on and moving up, and so. You know, I think, you know, I give the the Montaner hire, not knowing much about him, you know, a, a B, you know. No, I guess. Like I don't, yeah, I'm going to go C. I'm going to go right down the middle, man. C. Yeah, I, I'm going to go and C. I, I'll, see. I'll see what, uh, how he recruits, how he develops, how he coaches. Uh, I'm optimistic and he got some positives, but I'm going right down the, down the road. Overall DB room, I get that a B. I think Wes McGriff is a really solid hire, you know what I'm saying? I think the mixture of two. Could be dynamic as far as like, because McGriff is an old hound that could that could recruit a little bit. So that that, it, that, can, it, that can probably play off each other. You know what right, I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that probably play off each other, man. So yeah, I think the mixture of that too. Yeah, I like it as a solid B as the whole room. But I'm gonna go C on him and I go B plus on on McGriff. I like the McGriff higher. Okay, I love it. I love it. Well, we got a special guest. We uh. Are going to bring Eric Fawcett back, talk a little basketball. As always, this segment is brought to you by our friends over at Roof Soldier. Give them a call, 817, or pardon me, 1877 Roofs FL. Visit them at roofsoldier.com again, 1877 Roofs FL. Whether it's a residential, commercial roof replacement or repair, give them a call, Roof Soldier. Tell them that Stadium and Gale sent you. You'll make some money off your, uh, you'll save some money um, off of your roof. Again, commercial replacement, residential replacement, repair, whatever it might be. Get an inspection. Hurricane season's coming any minute now. 
So give them a call at 1-877-ROOFS-FL. Eric Fawcett, Gator Country, a bunch of other stuff. Eric, sixth time on the show. Everybody loves you. We thought you were going to have some slander to throw your way a couple weeks ago. Gators seem to turn it around. Yeah, yeah, I, I got some you. slander. I got some slander. Man. Oh, I know. I know. No doubt. It ain't Eric, sweet, Eric. You, what up, Eric? How you doing, man? You doing all right? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, I know I wasn't looking so high, so good for a second there after I came on the show. So Yeah, I, you got a little it, bounce back to your stuff now, but I still got some heat for you. Uh, and hey, it's uh, it's deserved. I, I mean, I, I think I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit. And uh, yeah. after uh, after a game against LSU where they uh, they moved the ball, they played a very structured style of offense that, that got the most out of their guys. Uh, well, then they threw it out the window and they threw it in the trash and did none of it against uh, Alabama and Kentucky. And uh, uh, that's how you get beat. So uh, I definitely felt uh, felt a little foolish um, expecting them to uh, to keep with what what totally worked against LSU uh, for I just would have never thought that they would uh, throw it all in the trash and not do any of it against Alabama and Kentucky. Uh, but hey, getting getting hammered twice uh, that that can show you uh, some of your wrongs. So so it's good to see the, the team playing a little bit better. Good to see them get a, a huge win over Tennessee. But uh, uh, like you said, Silk, I, I I can't be totally absolved of uh, some of the stuff I said on the show the other week. So what do you think, man? What do you think about this? At best, we're seeing a little bit more Mike White action. Is the inconsistent? Some nights look really good. Some nights look bad. We lose to some teams we should beat. We beat some teams we should lose to. What do you make of all this? You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of criticism that's obviously come Mike White's way. And if there was one thing I had to say that was my personal, you know, biggest frustration with with what Mike White has done, is, is that he doesn't seem to know how to replicate success. He is someone who uh, has often stumbled into success and then has just not seemed to seem to replicate it. Just like going against LSU using a particular style of offense. Uh, mm-hmm. playing through Colin Castleton, playing through their bigs, running some of the Princeton-style offense that was successful last year. Uh, they have success with it, and then they go against Alabama and say, hey, we want to play dribble drive. We want to isolate, go one-on-one against uh, players that are longer and superior athletes. Uh, and then you also see with his, uh, with some of the lineups he uses. Um, that's something that me and producer Cam, I think, vibe with on on, on Twitter. It's something I call out um, often is, is the fact that there doesn't seem to be rhyme or reason to the lineups that, that Mike White puts out. And oftentimes, I mean, uh, people are always uh, pointing out the uh, the dry spells that, that Florida goes on or the stretches where they, they go down 8-0 in, in a matter of a couple of minutes. And sometimes it's like, you know what, that – that's basketball. It's a game of runs. Uh, but part of it is you look at the uh, you look at the lineups they have the floor. You look at the lineup data, which is something I love to do. And uh, you know, White White puts out a, a, a lineup that has done really poorly uh, to this point in the season. He puts them out against another team's starters, uh, which happened a bunch against Kentucky. Um, and then they predictably got hammered. And I just throw up my hands and say, "Well, what, you know, what did you, what did you think was going to happen if you put out a lineup of uh, that is played really poorly and you put them out against another team's starters? You know, how did you think?" that was going to go so so that would that would be my biggest frustration with with uh with how things have gone under white uh, th- there has been a lot of good there's definitely uh plenty of plenty of things to uh, to be be upset with but if i had if i had to boil it down to to something it, it, it would be that I, I just think that sometimes he misses what has made his team successful and, and that's mm-hmm. how we uh and that's why we see so much inconsistency what type of offense you think they should you think they should run through castleton the princeton offense or what do you think yeah, I, I mean uh, the the data is there. Um, that 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 uh, that offense. I like is, Castleton. Is a lot better. Castleton's great. He's uh, I love he, Castleton. <laughs> 
Yeah, from his from his mindset to his skills to uh, to his energy level. I mean, I, I I mentioned it before. It's he's bringing a lot of what I think people probably expected from from Kerry Blackshear, and quite right. frankly, he's he's almost averaging similar numbers, but on a whole lot less usage. Uh, so, uh, and, and I think the biggest thing of course is in modern basketball, you need your center to be able to defend. Uh, uh, they just didn't have that last year. And now Colin Castleton between him and man, Omar Payne, um, who was coming mm-hmm. off the bench and then, uh, then started when, when Castleton had his uh, little ankle injury there. Um, yeah, both of those guys just bringing so much, so much athleticism, so much rim protection, but, but yeah, you, you'll see, you'll see the Princeton offense. It's, um, uh, running through the, running through the big man, it, it, it's slower mm-hmm. and it's methodical and, uh, that doesn't totally jive with again what what White has said. He wants to play really fast, and and I know a lot of people a lot of people want to see that. Uh, the Princeton's a bit more methodical, but what happens is it, it makes sure you're not getting beat with your with your worst players taking taking shots. Right. You you play structured. You make sure. Uh, you make sure your best playmakers have the ball. You make sure guys are spacing the floor where they can shoot the ball best from. And and you're just not getting you're not getting put in situations where your fourth best ball handler is is running a pick and roll and and throwing the ball away. So so I think for Florida it's going to be all about can you look to push it in transition still? Can you try to get that easy bucket when you're running three on two? But then if nothing's there, can you back it out and play structured? Uh, th- that has really been what has been successful for Florida, and uh, I think that's what they've got to do moving forward. What do you attribute our like scoring? Like we go on these weird droughts of like scoring and bad offense. What do you attribute that to? Uh, well, I think, uh, like I said, I mean, sometimes you look at the the lineups that Mike White puts on the floor, and, and I feel like I'm looking into a crystal ball because I look at the lineup data and say, right. "Ooh, this combination of five players, uh, they've gotten murdered." But can he um, get those same analy- analytics? The stats that we know. I'm pretty sure like University of Florida is a is a is an advanced university. I'm pretty sure they have the staff to grab the same Eric, stats. That Eric we know. puts them on Gator Country. All he has to do is follow Gator Country. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying, like, why don't he know these are bad lineups? This is oh, the fact man. of the matter. I I don't want to put you know I don't I I don't know the answer, but there there's two there has to be two answers. Either he knows the data and he chooses not to use it, or he's unaware of the data. That that's just the only really two ways around it. When you see that, uh, because again, I mean. Uh, there are times where where you see a group of five players out there, and, and yeah, you just know that they've gone murdered. The perfect example of this was for, for people who watched the Kentucky game. So Florida started the game really well, and then um, there was a really weird instance where there was a problem with one of the the mesh well, with one of the nets on one of the goals. So they had mm-hmm. to stop the game for like five minutes while they while they figured that out. Right, right. So so Florida was playing well. They had this big break. They come out of that big break, and then Kentucky just starts hammering them. So a whole bunch of people were like, oh, well, that 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 break really didn't help us. Um, uh, that really killed our momentum. That that really sucks. And the the strange thing was that after that break, they they took out their starters. They put together a, a group of five players that had gotten killed every possession they were on the floor up to that point of the season. And I'm like, man, it wasn't this break that killed them. It was it was putting on a, a lineup that hasn't been successful. And, you know, I love analytics. I I also know that the game is not played on a spreadsheet. I know sometimes right. you've got to put out uh, put out some lineups and and get a feel for um, for how it's they play together in, in live action. Still yeah, rhythm, and man. having the right guys come in at the right moment, all that's coaching. Like the nuances of this is a good matchup for this time coming off of this break, coming out of this timeout, this many fouls. Like the all of that is a certain thing good coaches have. I, I think so. And and again, there's there's one thing when it's um you know ten minutes into the first half and, and you've got a six or seven point lead and you you sneak in a possession to or two to to see how a right, you know right. particular combination goes. But once again, when it's like 
Kentucky's got their starters out and you're putting in a bunch of bench players when everyone's fresh because you just came off a 10 minute break because they're fixing the net. Uh, those are the or, or, you know, coming down the stretch, uh, the end of games. Uh, th- that's what really gets me. And, and again, you, you can look at some of these uh, some of these droughts that Florida has been known to go on and you can say, um, oh, you know, maybe the other team figured them out. Maybe some of Florida's players went cold. Maybe they're calling the wrong plays offensively. But a lot of them, it's 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 straight up. You know, you look at the players on the floor and, and you shouldn't be too surprised that it didn't go well. How much of a – go ahead, Dan. You got something? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Eric, what, what did you see in the Tennessee game? You know, it seemed like Tennessee was a little off. Um, you know, Florida obviously was able to take advantage of that. But what did we see in the Tennessee game and then, you know, subsequently in the Georgia game? Do you ha- Did you see any improvement or did they just simply just have better luck and in, in won both games? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee certainly looked off. And uh, right after they lost to Florida – they also lost um, pretty pretty solidly to Missouri, who's a good good team, um, but uh, not one that Tennessee should be uh, you know getting beat comfortably by. Uh, I, I think, of course, I mean it, it starts on defense. It started with a couple just uh, big steals from you know our guy Tyree Appleby, who everyone loves. Uh, he right. really got it energized, and, and and again, I think you saw in that game. Um, so so if you look at the uh, if you look against Alabama, uh, Florida had eight transition opportunities against Kentucky. They had six uh, against Tennessee. They had sixteen. So uh, I think when they play fast, when they're able to get those uh, those high quality shots before a defense sets up, that's pretty big. And and a, a lot of yeah, those were, you know, Tyree. Do you attribute that some of that to like the defense as well, though? Yeah, I mean, some of it is, of course. I mean, Tyree Appleby gets a steal, and suddenly he's, you know, got got a breakaway. Uh, that's definitely there. But there was also just um, there was a bit of a commitment to to trying to uh, trying to push. And and the thing about Tennessee is Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in the country, uh, which you wouldn't know from how they played against Florida. But I think that Florida just knew they they're like, hey, we're we're probably not going to have too much success trying to score on them in the half court. So uh, again, I, I see that they played with that desperation of like, we we have to play fast. We do not want to play against them when they can get set up and i just you know you 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 just hammered the number six team in the country uh why don't you do that every game why don't you do that against uh uh you know against uh mississippi state why don't you do that against vanderbilt why don't you do it why don't you do it every game the question that's the biggest thing is the the inconsistency but go ahead black no i was just i was just gonna ask you know how big um has tyree appleby been to that locker room Oh, they just love him. Uh, they they really love him, and uh, uh, I think again, it's just when you see the smallest guy on the floor uh, battle the way he does. Whether it's he gets switched onto a seven footer and he's trying to get underneath him and 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 rip a guy's shorts and uh, and kind of sit on his leg and and just battle with a lot bigger players, or you see the way he shoots gaps and and dives on loose ball. I mean, it's 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 you know that that kind of enthusiasm is contagious, and right, and, right. and I think too to even see him on the bench jumping up and down, or to see him throw a lob to Omar Payne and uh you know Tyree Appleby's just bouncing as he waits for him to, to for Payne to catch the ball and throw it down it's uh it's enthusiasm that I think that, that Mike White has just desperately wanted for this team and uh it's something that he's brought and uh I, I think too he just you you can talk about the intangibles and then you can also just talk about you know his tangible ability to make plays for for others I think he's the best passer on the Gators by, right. by a large margin and and uh, man his ability to hit shots off the dribble uh it's just you know he's the smallest guy out there but he seems to just get so much space and he seems to always be taking all these open jump shots because he can create so much space with his crossover, is, is create that, so much space with his step back, and then he's got the touch to finish it. Is that Irvin Walker 2.0? <laughs> he's the closest we've seen, man. Uh, there, Florida's <laughs> just lacked those guys who can who can hit tough shots in uh, these, these last couple of years, and that's kind of why they've gotten 
you know, they've, they've lost a lot of close games because a lot of times it comes down to, comes down to shot making. Now you've got Trey Mann. Now you've got Tyree Appleby, uh, two guys that are just elite shot makers. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Omar Payne because I know he's had to step up a little bit. Um, what, what have we seen out of him? I mean, he was kind of a forgotten name. You know, Castleton goes down. He comes in, is able to, to do pretty well. He's back in the starting lineup against Georgia. Um, do you think that he's earned himself some more playing time, or uh, do you think that that was just kind of the nature of, of Castleton being out and – yeah, I mean, he starts on a whole lot of teams. Um, just uh, Colin Castleton's really good. And yeah. uh, the one thing about Omar Payne is he is a little bit undersized. Uh, I mean, he's listed at like 6'10". He was listed at 6'9 last season. Um, I think he's probably like 6'8". Uh, he's really long, though. He's got like a 7'5 wingspan. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but there was some matchups earlier in the season where, you know, there is just some some bigger players that he's going to give up a lot of size against and and that can be tough but uh one thing that i think has really benefited pain is uh is some of the changes that florida has made to their offense uh playing two bigs on the floor a little bit more uh where he can sit in the dunker spot kind of that that space around the rim so that anytime trey man uh penetrates anytime that tyree appleby penetrates and uh a shot blocker has to step up he's suddenly there for a lob and and that's how you you, you saw against georgia and you saw against tennessee it just was him finishing dunk after dunk after dunk off these drop-off plays and I, I think that that's that's uh that's something that's been good about Florida's kind of more structured offense is that Omar Payne hasn't had to be someone who's got to make reads and and make really good passes he's been someone who can be a play finisher he's uh catching lobs uh getting it near the rim and and, and finishing with his length uh, the game has just been really simplified for him and uh, that's made his offense look a lot better and uh and then you know his timing with shot blocking it's just it's tough to teach that and you also can't teach a seven foot five wingspan and, and leaping abilities so uh between him and, and colin castleton two of the best shot blockers in the sec uh it's 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 helping out florida a lot what do you uh think that our projections are now in your mind now that we know that uh post johnson and also what we've seen from what um our team put on the floor we you got us at well, I mean, I think this is probably going to surprise a couple people, but I mean, Florida's third in the SEC right now. Um, they're uh, they're one game behind Missouri, who a lot of the advanced numbers would suggest Missouri is not quite as good as they've shown, but they're a good veteran team. Um, Alabama's running away with it. Um, they're going to be number one, but, uh, but yeah, Florida, Florida right now, um, they're third in the SEC and they've got a couple of the so easier games ahead of them. Uh, the next one's Vanderbilt. So, uh, and the team in fourth is LSU, who Florida will play again and Florida already beat. Uh, so, uh, you know, Florida's in third right now. Uh, certainly will have an opportunity to hang on to that. Uh, I still think Tennessee, who is behind the Gators, uh, I still think Tennessee is, is really good. Uh, Florida plays Tennessee again. Um, I, I think Tennessee gives them a, a much better game the next time around. So, yeah, so Florida's third right now. I, I've got to think that they're they're somewhere in the top five. They might slide up a spot or two um but uh it, it looks like it looks like the way things are shaking shaking out it looks like they're probably like somewhere between the the third and fifth best team in the sec that's a ncaa tournament team um but you know i i mentioned uh i mentioned the other podcast they might come second in the sec which is still certainly possible uh there's still just a couple things about this team i just don't love what i'm seeing particularly their defense but uh but yeah i i i think they're probably looking at like you know a five or five or six seed in the ncaa tournament uh, you can you can definitely do some damage from that spot, and yeah, somewhere like like fourth in the SEC. Hmm. <laughs> Damper, or, Damper Bay, what you got? I I, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see. I mean, this team's so hot and cold. Um, Eric, I mean, 
let, let's let's reason here for a little bit. If Florida kind of <laughs> finishes the the way that they do, and I'm not asking you to fire people or extend anybody, <laughs> but but talk to us like let's just say that Florida kind of continues on the path that it, it, it's going down. Maybe makes the tournament. Maybe makes it to the you know the the, the round of 32 or whatever. You know, do you think that Florida's hit their ceiling under Mike White? Do you think that there's anything more that we should expect other than kind of what we've seen or I mean, talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on Mike White, I guess, moving forward. I think this current team that Florida has is is so talented. It's crazy. I was talking about it on, on my podcast the other day uh, with Neil Black and my co-host, just about, you know, like Florida had the team two years ago that, that went to the round of 32, despite uh, things not going particularly well for them. And it was, you know, freshman Keontae Johnson, freshman Noah Locke, uh, freshman Andrew Nemhart. And we just looked up and down the roster and we were looking at, at this year's team when Colin Castleton was out, when Scotty Lewis was out, and of course, Keontae Johnson out. And we're like, man, this this team is still so much more talented than that team that, you know, made the NCAA tournament, won a game, uh, and was, uh, you know, a competitor in, in a really good SEC that year. Uh, so, man, I, I really do think this is a very insanely talented team, even without Keontae Johnson, whether it's your eye test, whether it's um, – the recruiting rankings, whatever, whatever you want to go with. I mean, this is a, this is a really talented team that I don't think that they're quite getting the most out of quite yet. We'll see what happens by the end of the season. Um, that's the best part about, about college basketball is that, uh, it's really all about just how you're playing at the end, at the end of the season, unless you're taking, you know, mad losses like Kentucky is right now. Uh, you, you can usually turn things around. So, uh, we'll see how it goes, but you know, the, these are. This is a very talented team that I don't think is uh, Mike White has been able to get the most out of. Uh, will he change that? We'll, we'll see. But you, you know, like I, I, I think that so often people think about firing coaches as this coach uh, does not reach the standard we're looking for. He absolutely has to be fired. You move on. I don't think if that's how you look at it. I don't think that you know. I don't think that Mike White has has fallen to 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 that point. I mean. Uh, things mm-hmm. went pretty poorly for Florida basketball. And, you know, look, they're still third in the SEC. Uh, they still have uh, uh, they still have some good, talented players coming in in, in future recruiting classes. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, this is a way that in pro sports, people look at coaching a little bit more. And, and I think it's something that they should look at in college where it's not necessarily, oh, someone falls short of this standard. We we then fire him. I, I think you've got to look, look at the region market, for, for lack of a better term. I, I, I don't think that Mike White... 100% needs to be fired. But I, I do think if things don't, don't really turn um, Strickland has to say, Hey, who could we get um, who would be available? And I think if you move on from Mike white, someone who um, like you alluded to, Dan, maybe Florida has seen their ceiling under him. Maybe, maybe he's not going to be the it's guy. It's just a lack of offense, man. It's just a, the lack of <laughs> like, just explosive. Like it's not fun basketball to watch. And, and that's one thing, like, I'm not, like, if he, we were losing in some shootouts and it was explosive offense, no droughts, that's different. That's a different story, you know? Like, we went eight and four this year with the Gator football team. And by Gator standard, that's not good. And you got some mad fans. But it was fun watching Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony just light the place up. You know what I'm saying? It's a different energy. I just think we got to, like, get a better product on the floor, man. Like, Better offense. I, I um, think I think this is my thing, and I'm not necessarily I don't follow basketball enough to be able to have an opinion. Um me neither, but I got one. But no, no, I know, and, and that's why you're great at podcasting. So um I, I don't <laughs> know if I'm like ready to fire Mike White, 
but where I'm at is I, uh, I've read all of the excuses. We're in what year six or year seven of Mike White? Year six. So we're in year six. So we've cycled through a couple of recruiting classes. We've been able to figure out who he is and the type of guy that he is. And I think we're at a point where we're still falling for the same issues that like you normally blame a new coach inheriting an old roster, right? Scoring droughts, a lack of identity, uh, you know, the, the people that, uh, the mm. type of offense we want to run. There should be no reason that a Mike White completely mm. recruited team like isn't able to run the offense that he wants because if you're not able to, then that's that's your fault. That's a recruiting right. issue. That's that's your fault, right? Um, that's a a delivery issue. I mean, we talked about it with mm. with coaching. You know, Eric, you might have heard us when you were in the waiting room there. Of you know, sometimes you just need to hear things differently. And I'm I'm almost to a point where you know I don't want a Mark Richt of Florida basketball, Mark Richt of Florida basketball. Right. And that's where I feel like we are. It's like, we're going to get to like an elite eight every once in a while to be like, see, he's not bad. Right. Like I forgot who it was. It was one of the beat writers. I think it was Hayes Carlton. There's like, or Matt Hayes it was Matt Hayes. He's like Florida beat Tennessee is like, where's the fire Mike white coat or crowd. Now it's like, you can't base it off of one win. Just like you couldn't like keep Jim McElwain around. Cause he beat Georgia one time, you know what I mean? Or twice. Right. So that's where I wonder if we're at, um, but now I'm just flapping on. So. <laughs> well, 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 here's, and that, that's also why I was suggesting if you move on from Mike White, I think that Strickland needs to know exactly who he can get and that that person is an established winner. Um, I don't think anyone, I, I personally don't want to see it. I don't think anyone wants to see the next up and comer. Um, like you move out Mike White to take another uh, another risk on on whatever hot mid major name, uh, and and here's the thing with hiring mid major coaches. This this is the thing with with Mike White. So when he was at Louisiana Tech, he played a frantic full court press uh, defensively. Uh, that style has never worked at the high major level. Right. Um, so and he also ran the dribble drive offense, something that hardly hardly works at the high major level, other than Kentucky runs it, but they have a bunch of NBA players usually. Right. So, so the thing was when you hired Mike White, and I don't know if Foley fully realized uh, this, uh, but you were hiring a guy that needed to change his style. Uh, you were hiring a guy that was doing something at Louisiana Tech that was effective. But I mean, if he knew how high major basketball really worked, he would say this defense that he runs will not work. This offense he runs will likely not work. And, uh, and that's just the, the, the nature of hiring someone like a Mike White is you are hiring someone knowing that they will have to change their style. And um, I, I think that that's why there has been so many growing pains is that, uh, that, you know, White did have to have to learn about how to, uh, how to win at the high major level. And, and do you want that? Do you want those questions to still be happening in year six? Uh, certainly not ideally. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know where Florida basketball is, right? I mean, Florida basketball wasn't really a thing until Lon Kruger, right? Um, now I could be missing. Sorry, historians. But like when Lon Kruger brought that Gators team, you know, to what the Final Four, and then you know, then Billy Donovan comes on board. They you know kind of go up and down a little bit. They they win a national championship, then they win again, and then from there they had some good solid teams. But then you know Mike White comes on board. It's like, well, what's the expectation of Mike White? It's like, well, he should do better than Billy Donovan did when he started at UF because there's more history and everything else. But I also don't know if Florida puts the you know, the, the money, the dollars, the capital into, you know, being a consistent top five team. But all I know is like that, that Florida is consistently putting out a product that like, we always have to make excuses for Mike White. And I just don't know if like Mike White's a coach, like worth making excuses for, but also I don't know the alternative. So I'm trying to, I guess, 
for you to reason with me, be my therapist here. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's all fair criticism. Uh, the one thing I do find, uh, you know, very interesting is, uh, there's a whole lot of people that do obviously like, there's so many people that would have wanted, you know, Mike White gone yesterday, not just yesterday, you know, a season before, and even some who wanted him gone a season before that. Uh, but man, you know, these players on the current team, they, they love Mike White and they, they play so hard for him. And that's one thing that, um, that I do think needs to be factored in is like, Hey, he's got, he's got really talented players that really love to play hard for him. Um, which also, you know, pains me because I sometimes think these players that are very talented that love Mike White are not being put in a position to win. Um, and right. that just kind of, you know, that kind of hurts me for these, these players that are talented, play so hard, love their coach. Just wish that sometimes they would, uh, yeah, sometimes be put in a better position to win. But um, yeah, but that's, that, that, that would be my, you know, if I had to summarize the, my response to the, the fire Mike White crowd would be, um, I would just hope that if they did want to move on from Mike White, that it would be for someone like, I don't, I don't want to see, the I don't want to see the the administration nickel and diming here or uh or you know going for the up and comer who's who's cheaper and, and you gamble on being a, I think if you move on from Mike White, someone who at least has shown that the team is never gonna be, you know, awful in the basement of the the SEC, um, yeah, you want to go out and get someone that you are certain is an improvement, someone who has won at the high major level and that you think can uh, take you not to the occasional Elite Eight, uh, but be in the mix for that second weekend every year. One day, one day, Eric, we're gonna have a conversation about uh the gentleman named um, Foley in his hires. <laughs> One day. One day. He's still, he's still an emeritus at the university. So <laughs> One day we're going to have this conversation. <laughs> well, All I right. mean, yeah, you, you, uh, the Mike White hire was definitely alongside some of the, the reasoning for his for his It was a bogo hires. with McElwain. It was a bogo deal. We got buy one, <laughs> get one deal there. Yeah, but I mean, I, I get the Mike White hire, right? Like the McElwain hire, I never really got, but like Mike White, like his dad was at Duke, the athletic director, like a guy that rose through the ranks, like well-spoken, well-liked, recruited well. Like I get it, but I also don't get then the excuses that continue to like, we, we continue to like placate, right? Like if we saw this with other, you know, if we saw this with football, there would be, you know, he would be pushed out the door, right? We saw with McElwain. I know McElwain was a weird dude, but like he went to the SEC East Championship or SEC Championship two years in a row. The next year he was fired. You know, Florida's consistently put out a product that like is at best, you know, above average for six years. Yeah, Max also you have to start. Max set them up nice to be fired though. Like he kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laying like stuff that. on the platter a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Cuddle with a shark. I get it, but I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm just at a point where I think you either have to like put up or shut up with Mike White where, hey, maybe you just don't extend a contract and you like amicably go and, and then move on. Because if you're going to accept this, then you just that's just who we are. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's continued to recruit well, and he runs a clean program, and I think that that gets you a little bit more rope than, uh, than I guess, some people that you you can't keep selling hope to. And uh, I think for Strickland, he knows that um, in a world where there's the a lot of people feeding that that Mike White is. <laughs> we're starting out to say we want Bama in basketball now, and that's that's getting frightening. Well, get me Anthony Grant then. You know, bring him back. That is name, Anthony Grant. We got to start saying we want Bama in basketball. Things are going to get a little wicked, Eric. Oh, and as as they should be, <laughs> bro. That's wild. FSU and Alabama are better at basketball than Florida. That's it's crazy. Insane. 
Well, I mean, F- FSU is a football, or a, sorry, FSU is a basketball school, man. You look at how no, they're, they're done. They have no crystal <laughs> trophies. Yeah, they, they have, have no they, 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 they drop, They're dropping banners like UCF. No, they are yeah. a gymnastics a, program. Yeah, they're just a school. They're right a circus now. program. I'm sorry, like an actual circus. They still need some hardware in the trophy case to say they're a basketball program. Right now, they're just a school. Well, Eric, I am going to continue to advocate for you. Um, getting on that staff in some way and analytics where you have to shove them in Mike White's face or anybody else, but you do an incredible job, man. Remind everybody where they can follow you, listen to you and read your stuff. Uh, thanks so much for having me on again, guys. I, uh, I look forward to the next time, but you can find right. me at eFaucet7 on Twitter. Uh, and if you want some uh, some more basketball talk, uh, I host a podcast with Neil Blackman from Saturday Down South called Florida Basketball Hour. I uh, love, uh, love talking hoops there too. So uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Hey, what's the seven stand for? Uh, that it means absolutely nothing. That was like oh. me at like 18 years old when yeah. the Eric fought. You know, I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to try to get the uh, the E Fawcett or sorry, just the Eric Fawcett handle from uh, from a guy who's super inactive, other than the occasional like automatic Instagram post. But until then, it's like the thing that I signed up with in in 2011. What's oh. the name of that? What's the name of that podcast again? I'm gonna check that out. Shout out to Neil Blackman as well. What's the name of that podcast? Florida Basketball Hour. Florida basketball are okay. No, we're good. Hey, Eric, hit me up and we'll see what we can do about your Twitter. All right, I got a plug. Ooh, you got a guy. Dan, Dan been like making, he saved Amaz's account. Like he's mm-hmm. just like a Twitter superhero at this yeah, point. Yeah, I dropped the underscore in my name and everything. Huh. Just long fine. enough for me to take a Twitter hiatus. I'm trying to save Twitter for everybody else. So, Eric, we appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much. Hey, buddy. Just stay warm. Thank you. Eric. Dan, Dan, you are the most interesting man in the world. I'm doing this. I'm going to go ahead and lay that out there for you. What I do now? Because, bro, you're like, who are you? Like, how you just get people to turn Twitter accounts? Like, you got a mod account back. A mod gave his account to some guy. A mod gave the guy his social, like, his license. <laughs> that they got, got an apartment of mine, man. <laughs> bro, listen, bro. I was, I was, I was all about to just say, the hell with Twitter, bro. Dan put me back in the game. Yo, who is Dan? I, He's I, I, I saved, I saved him on. Speaking Dan, of, who, Dan, Dan need a check mark, really? If you really I ask do. Yo, that man was doing all type of stuff on the mod account, man. Yeah. Star Wars, that man. <laughs> bro, that was bro, wild. Bro, the funniest thing ever, bro. No, <laughs> listen, listen. All right, I grew up loving the Hot Boys, right? Right. Like, everybody loved the Hot Boys. Who didn't? Right. Right. Bro, this man wrote every verified person that I was following or was following me and was trying to scam them. Bro, when I tell you the funniest person in the inbox was the little Turk from the Hot Boys, bro. My boy boy was just, the only thing he was focused on was, are you trying to book me for a show? (laughs) Every time this dude tried to try something, Turk was like, you trying to book me for a show? Dude, yes, it, yes, I'm trying to get Turk bro, on this show. Turk was right in back, dog. It was so funny, bro. That, that's because Turk literally has nothing else to do. Literally, what, what, is, what does young Turk have to do? I wonder what the show calls. I might book a, a Turk show. Not to do nah, you trying what to book you a think, Turk hey, show? Hey, might, go, back, go back into I, the DM. Find out how much you yeah. can. Yeah, go hit him back. It was a come along. Turk's probably like, I'll pay you to perform. Hey, hey, so you, you know, of, you never you know. Of, so you heard a whoop from Orlando? No, I haven't heard him. You know, never heard a whoop. <laughs> Is that the guy you put on the, the one song to make the guy mad? 
You know, oh, you know outro? Oh, okay. No, no, no. Buddy was mad by now. I apologize, man. If you to the show. Yeah, that's, that was a wild song, man. I ain't gonna lie. It was cool, man. So I, I played worse, bro. I don't, I don't, but look, it, it, it was worse than that. That was wild. I ain't gonna lie. It, it was Cam fault for putting out that part. He should put out the edited version. <laughs> yeah, blame the producer. <laughs> Oh man! Speaking of blaming the producer, uh, give Lee Friedland a call at one eight hundred ninety five injured or visit his website yourfighthourbattle.com. Law firm of Friedland and Associates truly cares about the people. Even the producer on this podcast, Cam, um, he's going to handle auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury cases in every jurisdiction within this beautiful state of Florida. Give him a call one eight hundred ninety five injured or visit him at yourfighthourbattle.com. He's fighting for the little man. In this case, it's Cam. All right, so Daryl Clayton <laughs> has signed with an agent. So that uh, signifies that he is going pro. Uh, there was right. a lot of rumors. There was some uh, conjecture that he would be, uh, but it is official he is going to go pro. Where do you guys think he gets drafted? I think he could test well. I would like him in a regular uh, combine setting. I think he could test well. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to put him around like, Four fifth round, I yeah. think um, that's where he's at. Yeah, same with me. Hey Dan, what, what's the what's uh what's the guidelines for uh the combine and stuff with the COVID? It's all it it's all virtual. Okay, um, and I think they're doing stuff that's like some somewhat similar to pro day. Um, I'll do a little bit of research. That's all it is. It's pretty yeah. much like a pro day now, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't know a ton, and I I would imagine that they're still trying to you know, figure out what that is. I, I do know that they're not going to Indianapolis this year. Um, here, an article just came out a couple days ago. Uh, it's going to, um, let's see, the league sent out a, a combine will be conducted, uh, consistent with medical, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Um, this is bad. This is terrible radio. Okay, so – Invited prospects will be scheduled uh, for media interviews with NFL clubs and medias and uh, media, pardon me, and NFL affiliated broadcast partners. Colleges will be uh, asked to conduct virtual media availabilities with combine invitees, helping promote the players or schools in the upcoming draft. In addition, head coaches and or general managers will typically be available to the assembled media at the combine. All right. So they're going to continue to do that. The league will put in place, to obtain medical information on all invited prospects, each club will be allowed to send one physical and one athletic trainer to conduct in-person exams to the campus, which will likely be conducted over a two- to three-day period. The interviews conducted by NFL teams, as well as the psychological testing done um, on the project or on the prospects for me, will be done virtually. So I would imagine the Wonderlic test, etc. This is the part that you guys care about. There's going to be no in-person workouts at the combine. Instead, instead any workouts will take place on individual pro days on college campuses. We will work with the schools to encourage consistency in testing and drills across pro days to ensure that all clubs have access to video of those workouts, irrespective of whether the club is represented at the particular workout. Rules governing timing and testing of draft-eligible players and club personnel attendance at pro days will be sent in a separate player personnel memorandum. So it sounds like – all of the interviews that they would normally do in person are going to be done virtually. It sounds like everything else will be done um, on some sort of pro day with some sort of sanctioned um, guidelines. Yeah. So, uh, so it sounds like everything is, is pretty much 
virtual interviews. There's going to be some sort of wonderlick exam that's going to be done virtually. And then there's going to be pro day. So, and I feel bad for those kids. It's yeah, the, I think yeah. The, 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 the draft not being a traditional draft is going to hurt certain guys like Anthony Schwartz, the guys that could go like break the draft records. I was excited to see guys like that run. Mm-hmm. I think Schwartz could have probably broke the record. So, like, yeah, because you know whatever he he records, people are going to be like, oh, it's right, you know, slanted, it's wrong, it's this and right. that. Yeah. It's because pro day times are a little bit more time friendly for the player usually, right? So if it's like pro day vibes, like if Anthony Schwartz go run like some crazy like a four two. Nobody's going to take it as legit, man. So that's the only uh, setback for me mentally with these guys not being able to go to the traditional. And it made these guys tackle each other. So I don't know why, like, the NFL let guys tackle each other all year and then they can't run in underwear next to each other. Right. I feel like everybody else has been able to do it and been able to do it pretty effectively. I feel like they could test them before. And, you know, if if they show up, you know, you know, got a positive, then they ought to sit it out. Right. Right. Like, and all of these kids are out of college, right? Or right. for the most part, they can do it yeah. virtually. Like every school is still allowing virtual. So like bring them up to Indianapolis, quarantine them, right? Like their agents are going to pay, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, put them up in a hotel. There's a very nice JW in downtown Indianapolis. Quarantine them for a little while and then and then do yeah. the thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what we're doing here. It feels like the NFL is not even trying to be honest. I, I ain't going to lie, though. Just the experience with the, with the combine was so cool. Just to, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> to see, you know, the top players in, in the country – um, I'll get the test and whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it's super cool. You get to see the stadium. I saw uh, Rex Ryan in uh, Steak and Shake, too, when I was there. That sounds it, it kind of feel, feels like they didn't have a real plan for the combine and, and all of this stuff coming up. So they just just like, yo, this is the fallback plan because a lot, a lot of things just not making sense. Yeah. Well, and, and there's just not that many people, right? It's not like they're – how many people go to the combine? A couple hundred? Like, like 200 right? and some. That's what that's what 300, I thought. 300. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so three hundred. Because I know, yeah, it's all so, separated, right? Like the linemen go one day, the DBs go one day. Like it's all, it's all. Yeah, it's over the course of what a week, I think. Right. So yeah, so I don't know. It just it seems it seems to me like a, a cop out. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with you know some of those numbers and everything else. Three hundred, three hundred fifty-five. Okay, three hundred thirty-seven in twenty twenty, according to Spencer. So yeah, somewhere around three hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, you know, 330, 350 players go. So I feel for those guys that are missing out on an experience that, you know, is a, literally a once in a lifetime experience. They literally cannot replicate this again. So, right. um, Ahmad, where do you think Terrell Slayton goes in the draft? Um, I'm going to say about fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's definitely a, a guy that can um, really improve um, still, um, still grow a little bit more too as well. So, yeah. I have him as a fifth, sixth round guy. I mean, yeah. could he go in the third, fourth? Yeah, maybe. I, 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 just, I, I feel like I saw I, enough production, enough disruption, and right. Well, because I, I think he had tests well, but then again, it's no. I mean, we just got pro day this year, so. Right. Well, and also like he was pretty inconsistent. I mean, he had a decent year, you know, this year. I mean, but he had been pretty inconsistent in his career. Doesn't have a ton of stats. Um, you know, I thought that he played fine this year. You know, but there's a lot of players that are you know, also played fine, you know, for their respective schools. So I don't think Terrell Slayton's a name that a lot of, you know, fans from other schools like feared on our defensive line. So you know, we'll right. see, um, you know, I, I certainly wish him well um, and hope that he, uh, you know, is able to get drafted and have a, a, a long NFL career. Um, CJ McWilliams, 
star defensive back, cornerback, um, has announced that he's going to transfer. So. I thought he'd been low. Oh, no, he opted out. That's what he happened. Opted he opted out. out. Yeah. Oh, okay, very good. Yeah. He's still, best, here? He's still here? Best of luck yeah, to Mr. McWilliams. He's still going to class and he's still good, class. Good, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. For sure. best, best of luck. Best of luck. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of players that are um, that have moved on, Kyle Trask uh, was going to be participating in the Senior Bowl. Um, it was announced today uh, that he has an ankle injury that will keep him from participating in the Senior Bowl uh, this week. Um, I thought that he could use this game um, just to come off of – you know, the bad game against Oklahoma. Um, I don't know if it would have made a true difference where he gets drafted, but it would have been nice to see him end his college career, not on that Oklahoma game. Right. Yeah, I would like to see him in the uh, senior bowl, throw, throw to some guys that's not his guys, uh, get some time and stuff off. I thought he could have made some money there, but if he's uh, really not healthy, then, you know, I get it. Yeah, then get better. Get better. Uh, also participating in the Senior Bowl, which I believe is on Saturday, uh, are Sean Davis, Kadarius Tony, and Trayvon Grimes. Let's talk about some predictions. So our friend from The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, pulling up the article. D. Allen Taylor, who we had uh, last year when he started, came out with a few predictions – I'm going to go over a few of them with you guys, and I want to get your thoughts. Let me find the best one. All right. This was prediction number seven from him. Jacob Copeland will lead Florida's receiver committee with 50-plus catches. Do you buy or sell that prediction? Yeah, I'm buying that one. I like like that for Cope. I'm I'm definitely buying. I think he'll be targeted a lot. I think he's the leader of that room, so I'm with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, he's definitely gonna get probably bulk of other passes. Um, he's been, you know, been in the system and played the most ball. So uh, I'm looking forward to, for him to have a, a breakout year. Yeah, I I buy that he leads the team. I think 50 uh, catches. I don't know. That seems like a lot for him. Kadarius Tony at 70. Nobody else on the team. So I'm gonna buy that he leads the team in catches, but that he doesn't get 50. Cool. Hey, if Kadarius got, hey, K- got seventy, I like I like Cole for fifty. Yeah. I All think right. Kadarius had to share the ball with more playmakers. Yeah, probably. All right. Um, Florida's run pass ratio will invert. So mm-hmm. the Gators averaged 42 passing plays compared to 27 runs in 2020. He counted sacks as pass plays, which is a roughly a 60-40 ratio. Do you think Florida becomes a 60-40 run-to-pass team next season? I do. I've been predicting that a while before it became cool. I think the offense flips next year. All the crying and whining we did about lack of run, I think that flips when you got a guy like Emory with the offense. I think the offensive line mentality is going to be a little different, a little bit more aggressive in the run game as well. I think they have a different mentality offense um, all together next year. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Do you think it's more than 60-40? You think it's 60-40 what? what what's what's, what's so 60, 60, 60% passing, 40 per, or 60% rushing, 40% passing. Yeah, I think it's that. Okay. Yeah. Ahmad? 
Yeah, I think I think it'll be about 60-40 um, for the simple fact of that, you know, uh, Mullen got a, a mobile quarterback in and now we could do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when yeah, I mean, if, if they're going to count, you know, scrambles, hey, you know, when the play break down, quarterback scramble, um, those type of things. So uh, I think about 60-40. Cool. Yeah, I think it's closer to probably 65-35 or maybe like 67-33. I think Florida's going to run the ball a ton next year. A ton next year. I don't necessarily – I'm not 100% enamored with Emory Jones' ability to throw the ball just yet. I think that he will improve during this offseason, uh, but I do think that Florida will be heavy, heavy, heavy uh, run to pass. With that, the Gators will threaten a pair of 1,000-yard rushers. So I think he thinks that Florida will have – yeah, he's not saying that it's necessary. Oh, okay. So he's going to say, there you go, quarterback, running back. And then yeah. running back. Sorry, it took me into like the fifth sentence to, to see him mention Jones. Do you think that Florida gets a or threatens? So we'll say threatens is two guys over 900 yards. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. Only thing that, that frightens me from saying that is, is how we rotate the running backs. I don't think we'll lean on one running back that heavy enough to get a thousand yards out of them. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that makes me hesitant of it. But I think Emory Jones would be somewhere near the 900 yards rushing, and, and we'll have a back uh, around that as well. Ahmad? Yeah, um, but my question is, so who, who's going to be who's going to be the future back next year? I know we're a little bit off. G. Service. Allen Taylor says Demarcus Bowman. Okay, because get 900 yards and, and the way we rotate our backs we still got number 20 back there too dan so that's your boy that is not my boy that's my boy i fucks with him um but I, but i don't know if you heard the question we did uh, work we did work out at the same gym though before yeah in the u.s no, I was yeah, saying, so you said you said uh the running back would have about about 900 you said but which one who would be the feature back yeah i don't know i think the feature back could be i think after spring ball it depends on who get off I, I don't think like there's nothing written in stone. I think Bowman can go do something stupid and be the leading back. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have anything written in stone when he running back. I think Damian Pierce let me down this past season. There's a lot to be uh, desired from Malik uh, as far as ball security. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of things. I don't think he's a complete back. I think he could probably move to the slot if we're being honest. So uh, I don't think there's nothing locked down in my running back room. I think Nick Horn showed the, the brightest future. As far as like guys we know on the roster, well, so I can say Naquan and the Bowman show. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to move on to the the younger, better talent. In my opinion, I think we know what we get out of Malik. I think Malik's explosive in the pass game. He can catch some things, do some things at the slot. Um, but he leaves a lot to be desired running the ball. Same mm-hmm. with uh, Damian Pierce's vision. I don't think mm-hmm. he has the greatest vision. I think he's a strong kid. He's a tough kid, but I don't think he see all the holes. So. Yeah. I wouldn't mind sending some of the young boy. I think the running back room's flux. Anybody could be the guy. So I think you make a, a good point there. Uh, looking back on 2018, where Florida did run the ball a little bit more, uh, they had LaMichael P. Ryan, 826 yards, Jordan Scarlett, 776 yards, and then Felipe Franks at 350. So I don't think it's out of the stretch of possibility uh, that uh, they could certainly um, – you know, have 2,000 yard rushers or close to it, even in the running back room as a whole. I think that Emory Jones is going to create a, a lot of uh, need to to spy him that could lead to a lot of other opportunities. So um, I, I don't think that Florida 
um, sniffs that number. Um, I just think that they're actually I take that back. I do think that they, they do. Um, but I don't think it's with Emory Jones. I think that they get two running backs that, that get closer to that number than Emory Jones. I don't think Emory Jones is the top two on the, the roster next year in Russia. You don't think Emory's one of those guys? I do not. I think yeah. that it is going to be a, a, a Naquan Wright and Pierce or Bowman, depending on who, whoever gets the carries. I, oh, okay. It depends on how it shakes out. But I see two running backs combining for over 1,800 yards, the top two running backs, then I do see Emory Jones being one of the people that averages 1,000 or averages uh, you know, 90 yards a game. Gotcha. Uh, Jason Marshall will be a starter uh, by midseason. So Kyrie Elam obviously has one. Uh, Jaden Hill is your other uh, competition, probably the guy that's going to you know sit in that spot. Uh, do you think Jason Marshall will make it to the starting lineup by midseason at, uh, we'll say at cornerback? I'm going to let Maude take this away. He's a DB expert on the show. <laughs> I mean, it, it, all, it all depends on how he, how he show up on campus. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he could be a first day. You know, I mean, Joe Haney went in there and was a first day corner. You know, uh, uh, well, starting the first day, and he came at wide receiver. So it all depends on how he responds to practice. If he if he takes coaching, if he uh, moves around, flies around, like how they, how they think he can. Um, you know, I won't be too surprised to see him on the first day. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, man, yeah, he starts. I man, I hope he starts day one. To be honest with you, uh, I don't like what I've seen, and, and well, I, I don't. I'm not overexcited about what I've seen outside of Carrier Elam at the cornerback position, man. So if we get a five-star from Dade County to pull up and be ready to play, you know what I'm saying, get aggressive and change some things at the other corner, I think our next year's season is going to be banking on uh, these young boys being able to come in and play right away. I think Jaden Hill is on the smallest slider side for SEC uh, cornerback. So, yeah, um, I'm going to say Marshall earlier than midseason. I'm going to go a little early, earlier than that. After one or two games, if he's not starting in the beginning, he should be a starter by like after one or two games. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Jaden Hill uh, being the starter at that role. I think Jason Marshall gets uh, some some burn, but I, I do think that Jaden Hill has earned that spot. I thought that he deserved the. Uh, think the he spot earned, last you think year. he earned the outside corner spot right now? I think he earned it over Marco Wilson last year. I mean, we'll see. Um, I thought that in the limited time that he played, he was better than. Than Marco. Well, I don't want to say that because that's not that's not fair. Of course, he's better than Marco, but I I, don't, I, I think that he's going to be a guy that solidifies his spot. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jaden Hill and Kyer Elam are your two starters for the entirety of the season next year. Entire season? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no, so, it's too much going on. It's too much going on. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen enough because, of Jaden Hill to say yeah. that. I think he'd be solid as a number one star. Like I seen uh uh the a lack of wanting to hit somebody, <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? A lack of making plays. I can send you a video right now. I'm telling you right now, he won't be the starter all year. Yeah, just from the video that you asked, I can send you. <laughs> yeah, I like Marshall a lot. Sometimes then it's 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 a it's a business decision, man. Yeah, I just know my staff plays people that are uh, juniors That's and seniors true. and not yeah. freshmen. True so, story. Um, true story, Dan. Right. So, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. going to stick with that one. We can reevaluate next season. Yeah, you're right, um, man. You're right. Last and final one. And this is a great article. It's on The Athletic. I really encourage you guys to become members of The Athletic. We don't have, like, a coupon code or anything. Reach out to him. Like, you know, whatever it is, it's a couple bucks a month. 
Uh, it's really, really, really good content. This uh, G. Allen Taylor is really good. Uh, Andy Staples, Bruce Feldman, the rest of them, they put out really good content. Last uh, one. Andy, Andy Staples is my guy. You know, that's my man's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do know <laughs> that that's your man's. All right. Dan Mullen will have more wins at Florida this season than Urban Meyer will have with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, yeah, that's not, a, that's not a bold take. Yeah, I like that one. He was fishing for a tenth one, right? You can't just say nine bold predictions. Yeah, yeah. So, I like, I like, what do you? How many wins do you think Jacksonville gets next season? I think we get about nine. Nine. Yeah, eight, nine. Oh, yeah, one, I think nine so to nine. That's an incredible uh, with a new an, coach and brand new quarterback to the league. Woo. That is an unbelievable amount of chest pounding. I love I'm just, it. I'm just letting you know, man. We got right like off the bat. We got, like, <laughs> Dang, guess what? Hold on, Lamar. Let me get like enjoy, enjoy your Super Bowl. Let me get my, my I'll let you enjoy your Super Bowl moment. I just, I just wanted to tell Dan you was not lying when you said you was gonna lie this whole offseason, bro. Because man, listen, <laughs> I got the January. I got some lies lined up. We see those. Listen. So we already got the best coach probably in like, you know, some NCAA history. You know, it's the only thing stopped him was allegations. You know what I'm saying? Now he can just do what he got to do. He just pay people. So we, get the we, got, we got we got money. You know what I'm saying? We got one of the best recruiters going to bring the best athletes. You know what I'm saying? We got money to pay him. And then we're going to get the best quarterback since Andrew Luck. How's the city? The city's gonna be amazing once Andrew Luck and you know, baby Andrew Luck show up, and then we got Urban Meyer. Like, property value's about to go up. Everybody in Duval still want to bust Dan head, so everything's all great. <laughs> He's about to win the Super Bowl. I am, oh, uh, I'm excited to get some Duval takes off in the fall. Until I'm, then, I will, I will let you guys pound your chest and. Hey man, the rack up, rack up your offseason wins. Uh, y'all enjoy your, your loss in the Super Bowl, Ahmad. But the draft, you pull up to the draft party we about to have for Trevor Lawrence. The Trevor Lawrence extravaganza. Um, imagine having Urban Meyer as your head coach, Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback, and still being the third best team in the state of Florida in the that's, NFL. That's a lot. This that being said, that's a lot. being said, speaking of the state of Florida, <laughs> are you looking for a mortgage? Reach out to our friend Carlton Black with Envoy Mortgage. He's licensed here in these beautiful, this beautiful state of Florida, also Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. So if you're looking for a home loan, a conventional loan, FHA loan, VA loan, fixed rate loan, adjustable rate mortgage, a jumbo loan, give him a call. He can also help you refinance. Uh, so if you are a real estate agent, give him a call and partner with him. Or if you are looking for a new mortgage, shout out to one of our listeners that I know has uh, got their mortgage through him uh, just here recently. Give him a call 404-769-5501 or cblack at envoymortgage.com. That's Carlton Black, 404-769-5501. You like that transition, hey, so? Yeah, that was very smooth. I, I just lied, uh, uh Carlton Black uh, numbers over to my brother. He's moving to the Atlanta area. and He's about to hit him up for... Uh, his new home purchase, man, and mortgage. So look at that. Look at that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So uh baseball uh was announced that they're going to enter this season as the number one ranked team in the country. I know that Kevin O'Sullivan is very, very optimistic and bullish on this team's performance. They had three players named to D1 baseball's first team preseason all-American list. 
center Judd Fabian, who mm-hmm. I believe is also um, being potentially called the future number one draft pick. Uh, so shout out to Judd Fabian. Uh, pitcher Tommy Mace was also um, on that list. He's listed as a second team. And then pitcher mm-hmm. Hunter Barco uh, was also listed uh, as a second team All-American. So shout out to those three Gators that will be or that have been uh, made preseason All-American lists. Yeah, that's dope. We'll, we'll get Nick on what in is- the next week or so. What, what, what are we hearing about baseballs? Uh, are they letting people at the games of baseball? I don't know. That will be a great question for me to ask Nick, and I'm not going to pretend like I know. I would imagine that, you know, with some social distancing, things of that nature, it might be a possibility, though. But I, I don't know. I That's a great up, question, though. Yeah, I want to pull up any any sport I could pull up in, especially if it's like baseball, something real yeah, chill. We do a social distancing tailgate, you know? Right. I, or I, just, I just want to see a game, you know. I got I got time this off this off season, man. So I could pull up with Junior. I want to be in Gainesville more. So if there's any spring sports that we can get into, y'all, you know, let us know. What a great segue. Speaking of spring sports, let's run through the spring sports and how they're doing. Baseball, as we talked about, is ranked number one to start the season. The women's gymnastics team is ranked number one in the country, coming off another win last week. The men's swimming and diving program is ranked fifth. The women's swimming and diving program is ranked seventh. The women's golf program is ranked number eight, and men's tennis is ranked number nine. Whole lot of top ten. Yeah. Uh, moving just out of the top ten is volleyball, and Mary Wise, Stadium and Gale alum, uh, ranked number 11. Number mm-hmm. 15 is also Stadium and Gale alum, Deacon. Oh, gosh, I'm forgetting his last name. Coach Deacon's team uh, ranked 15th. And women's tennis was Stadium <laughs> Gale alum, Roland Thornquist. Right? Fighting Coach Deacons. Coach Deacon. The fighting Coach Deacons. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild to me. Uh, J.C. Deacon, I apologize, Mr. Uh, Mr. Deacon. Um, so shout out to all of those teams that are ranked. I think that's every team that's playing this offseason or playing this uh, spring season. Mm. I ain't mad at that. Uh, so take us into a uh, Brunt Insurance read. I got uh, we'll you. talk a little bit about recruiting, and yeah. then we'll trim up our balls and we'll be done. Oh, yeah. Got to trim the balls, man. But one time for my man Greg Brunt and the great folks at Brunt Insurance and Financial Services, anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, my man Greg got you. Give him a call at 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policy, whether you need your auto, a trailer, your life, a motorcycle, Anything that you may need financial service-wise, my man Greg got you. Again, the number is 954-589-2204. Big coverage. Speaking of which, we will be recording a facts only, I believe, on Wednesday. Yeah. um, Stay tuned for more recruiting information there. There's not a ton. National Signing Day is in a week and a half. Uh, By the time that you listen to this, I think it's just a week away on Wednesday, um, on February the 3rd. Uh, if Florida is after, still after Terry and Arnold from Tallahassee, uh, I think Florida still thinks they sit in a good position there. But let's move on to the class of 2022. And Nico Marchial, uh, who is a, a four star um, quarterback uh, out of Hamilton, uh, Arizona, pardon me, Hamilton High School in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, visited Florida, visited FSU, 
uh, this past week uh, and on his trip to uh, the state of Florida. He's the number sixth overall pro uh, style quarterback, according to 247 Sports. So, anything that you've heard um, on his visit? I know he's announcing this week. Yeah, I don't think it's us. I don't think uh, us wanted it to be us. Okay, cool. Very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, I think he visited Florida State and Florida on his uh, latest visit. I think right. he stays out west with Arizona or somebody like that. Uh, I think we have some other wants on the, on our quarterback uh, hierarchy. Yeah, so just to briefly uh, go over who some of those names uh, are. Curry, my guy. Yeah. Right. So Ja'Curry Brown from Lowndes High School down there in Valdosta, four-star guy, number six overall. Um, I know that Florida's starting to kick the tires a little bit on uh, Gunnar Stockton uh, as well, who was previously committed uh, to, um, I believe, Georgia, uh, back to, or uh, pardon me, South Carolina, back that off. Um, I, he's from uh, from Georgia. I think that he looks like he might be Auburn bound, uh, but we'll see there. But I think it's Ja'Curry Brown is the guy that, that Florida really feels the most confident. I know that they thought they could have potentially been on uh, commit watch uh, a few weeks ago uh, when he visited, but uh, Ja'Curry Brown is the one guy to be looking out for. So have you heard of anything going into national signing day for this class of 2021? Your, your, your audio just got like so much better. Um, you sound like a, like you probably do like. Got like a velvet voice. Yeah. You got into like, maybe you do like ball sack for a living. It got oh, very good. Crisp. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, no, I haven't heard anything. I don't know what's going to happen with Terry Arnold. Uh, I don't know how Wesley McGriff and what their relationship are. I just haven't been diving for much information. In my mind, I made up my mind that we're going to just uh, shoot a dud on, on National Signing Day and we don't add anybody uh, unexpected. Interesting. Yeah, so if we – and I don't know any different. That's why my, my thoughts are, are limited there. Florida sits number 12 on 247's composite ranks uh, right now. Uh, with the fall of Trevante Rucker, uh, Adrian Strickland, uh, not Adrian Strickland, uh, the young man that went to Jackson State as well, um, with uh, with Rucker, I don't think that they end up signing um, Devonte Hammond. I, I don't think that he ends up making it into Florida. You know, Florida's class right now, I, I would consider it uh, mediocre uh, at best. Not saying that there's not some good talent there. Um, you know, Florida sits behind Miami, they sit behind Oklahoma, Notre Dame, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Oregon, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. You know, Florida really wants to get into those upper echelons, you know, of college football. They're going to need classes that are, you know, top five, top six, top seven, but they can't consistently be at the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 rank. Um, you know, I want to see us get better on the offensive line side of the ball. I want to see us get better. Um, just kind of holistically across the board where we're, we're just not a recruiting at an elite level. And I, I don't think that Florida sitting at number 12 right now is going to get any higher. I think that we probably end up finishing 13th, 14th, 15th, which, you know, after going to the SEC championship and having so much promise at the beginning of the year is, in my opinion, a disappointment. Unacceptable. Straight up. Yeah, there's, no, there's no excuse for us to be where we at rank on uh, the type of product we're putting on the field type of success we get and the type of awards these players are after. Uh, we was on the big stage all year in the last two years. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, the product has been there. The draft picks have been there. The wins have been there. 
it's really no excuse for us not to be recruiting at a higher level outside of just the coaches not really giving a shit about recruiting. Yeah, and maybe that'll change. You know, Wes McGriff is known for recruiting. Um, Jules Montaner is known for recruiting. Uh, Christian Robinson is known Stars for recruiting. Top, but if we can't figure it out. Um, Urban set the tone, baby. You know, it starts at the top. Yeah, Saban sets the tone. Like they said, you set the tone at the top. If, if, if recruiting is important, it's going to start at the top and you're going to see it trickle down to the bottom. Yep. Yep. So here we are. You know, we'll see. Uh, listen to facts only. It won't be uh, nearly as negative as we just made it seem. Uh, listen to that. We'll probably drop that show on Thursday or facts Friday. Only. No negativity. But, just but, facts yeah, only. We're, just, we're just giving facts. Facts That's only. It. It's the greatest name of a podcast ever. Uh, Silk. Take us out with a uh, a manscaped a manscaped ad read, and uh, let these folks enjoy the rest of their day. Oh man, it's a great time of the year to get those balls smooth as eggs. Be sure to visit the great folks at manscaped.com and use coupon code SG at checkout for twenty percent off and free shipping. Manscaped got the best of the best, man. If you want to shave them balls in the shower, not get electrocuted, not snag or snip those those uh, family jewels. They got the lawnmower 3.0, man. They got a little guard on there. If you want to fade it up, then you put the number two on there and get you a nice little clean fade. Yep. If you want to clean it crisp, no fade, you just take that guard off and you go crisp, no fade. It's, it's a preference on you, my man. Whatever you want, whatever your girl prefers, you know? Coupon code SG at checkout. Uh, I need to find my weed whacker because that I was like getting some wax out of my ear. Yeah. You know, the unconventional way. I didn't know. You have were using that. the weed whacker for your for your ear. Yeah, you use it in your ear hair as well. Nostril or ear. Oh, okay. Very good. It's common sense. I it, they make it for your nostrils, but I, in my mind, I say, you know what, if it could get the hair nostril, why can't it get earlobe? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me, black? It's the same, same type of hole, pause. Same type um, of hole. Uh, you know, I for some reason I just don't know. If that's the best way to use it, well, there's a lot that happens in your ear that you can mess up that you can't mess up in your nose. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what are you trying to do? Stip it onto your like your earlobe? I have no right, idea. Right where the hair comes out. You might not have ear earlobe hair, so who knows? Well, you are you are much much older than me and Ahmad, so uh, you are substantially older. Than uh, uh, don't get don't get too crazy. You're not, <laughs> not that much. Older. Yeah. Uh, I am older. Regardless, bro. Ahmad and I can check that 25 to 34 box when it's like, what's your age range? So you can't check that anymore. All right, bro. Well, let me tell you 30. Okay. Okay. So in, in four years, I hope your weed whacker still works. And if it does, <laughs> we'll be on the weed whacker like 6.4 by then. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever it is, maybe they had the earlobe special by then. But right now, any of my fellas that's like 35 and older and not in, uh, Lieutenant Dan's fucking uh, demographic. <laughs> uh, visit visit uh, uh, manscaped.com, man. Get the weed whacker. That thing works great on your earlobes as well. Yeah, promo code SG. Um, however you want to use it, it's your product. You buy it, you use it how you want. Um, right. I, for instance, use the uh, lawnmower to shave my chest. Uh, uh, it works great. Uh, no nicks. Um, I, I use the ball deodorant, and then every once in a while, I use the, uh, the spritzer. Right. Uh, if I need to, to give me a quick uh, midday refresh. I use the dot oh, midday bag. refresh. So you just like we got a man purse. You keep it in. We keep it. No, you. I use that, that's an exceptional question. In your lunchbox, give you a toiletry bag uh, oh. when you uh, when you buy the purchase as well. So um, a great product, great something you can take 
uh, you know, with you, it folds up nicely. It's a nice genuine leather product. So I'd encourage yeah. you to get that as well. So use the whole thing, use promo code SG, um, help us help you. Um, yeah. You don't There's think you need ball deodorant so. until you use some ball deodorant. That's the phrase I'll leave by the rest of my life. I know I'm about, I'm about, uh, up. So I'm going to about to put myself an order in. That I might, I might, text, I, might uh, I might shoot him a quick email, see if there's any uh, freebies on the house. If not, that, that midday refresh, you do it before or after lunch. A midday, so I don't know, probably two two thirty. It's not an everyday uh, thing. Like if I'm home, you know, just uh, quick. It's I it's, like it. it's like banaka for your mouth, but but for your balls. For your balls, I like it. I yeah. like it. Banaka for your balls, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Ahmad. This is your chance to redeem yourself. Are you still there? Yo. You have the song of the week. <laughs> and I know that you are going to put some flames <laughs> out there. Come on. Give me some Luther Vandross or something, bro. We got, you got to balance this out a little bit. Yeah, Kirk Franklin. Yeah, yeah, Kirk Franklin would balance out the yeah, last. Or, or Grits. That's what I'm saying. Y'all want to get that boy search me. The cross, the cross movement. Bro, it's so much good. It's so much good music out there, dog. You you can find something not crazy. Yeah, man. I'm gonna go old school though. Yeah, Ooh, Young I Turk. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, let me see, man. I'm gonna go some old school Drake. So I'm I'm a I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna just go controller. Let's do that. I like that. That ain't bad. I like that. Controller yeah. is player vibe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like, you know. Give it's a, it's a double ball. entendre if you listen to it carefully. It's, a, it's The whole thing is a double entendre. Yeah, it's, it's dope. It's dope. So, Controller by Drake. Yeah. Shout out to Jersey. Same corner, same time? Yeah, yeah. Same corner, same time next week. Let's talk some baseball next week. I'll text Nick, see if we can get on his busy calendar. I know he's on the I'm trying to go to the game. My, my wife just came here and said, hey, we need to go to a baseball game. I just oh, said what, that what, we gotta what, find. We're trying to yeah, find out how they how they yeah. do with COVID and whatnot. They yeah, let listen to the show, bro. We just talked about that. I, I, I don't know. Am I even gonna have to let us know? <laughs> we just said that on the show. Like, can we can we go to games? I probably, I probably, yeah, I probably was uh tuning that right quick. It's okay. It's all good. Yeah, man. yeah it's cool. You know, when you find out, you let us know. I'm looking. I'm looking at two four seven right now. Yeah, three of the top five recruiters. In college football this season are at Alabama. Oh no, crap. Right. Maryland. I mean, that's why they win it all. You know, like there's no, there's no, there's nobody that's gonna defy the eyes of of yeah. what the, the analytics are. The best recruiters win it all. Yeah. Nobody's yeah, gonna number defy one, number eyes. two, and number five. I think number one and number five left. Jeff Banks went to Texas, I believe. Charles Hoff became the new coach at Marshall. And then Ohio State is six, nine, and ten. And because it, it starts at the top, they just and all yeah. those guys re- revolve. Like all those guys is a revolving door. New guy yeah. come in. Oh, maybe they're gonna lose a little soft. No, because it starts at the top. That thing's yeah. a, a well-oiled machine, and it starts at the top. That energy, that recruiting from the facilities to the players to the mm-hmm. everything, man. You know, it's ran like a machine, man. Those guys, like he's he's Steve Jobs. He's he's that type of guy, but he's a head coach, and I, I wish we we could get a guy like that eventually. Maybe one day. Well, same time, same corner. We'll year. We'll search for that.
My AI just changed. It just buzzed the front gate. I thank God you came. How many more days could I wait? I made plans with you. And I won't let them fall through. I, 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 I. I think I lie for you. I think I die for you. Jodeci cry for you. Do things when you want me to. Like controller, controller. Yeah, like controller, controller. Yeah. Okay, you like it. When I get aggressive, tell you to yeah. go slower, go faster, like controller, controller, yeah. like controller, controller. Yeah. And I'm never on a wasting shot. I do it how you say you want it. Them girls, they just wanna take my money. They don't want me to give you nothing. They don't want you to have nothing They don't wanna see me find your loving They don't wanna see me Smiling back when they pre-knowing I lie for you Thinking I die for you Jodeci cry for you Do things when you want me to Like controller, controller yeah. Like controller, controller But you can't just listen, come tell man sorry. You can't listen to me talk and go tell my story. Nah, it don't work like that when you lost somebody. My old flex is my new flex now, and we're working on it. Yeah. And that's why I need all the energy that you bring to me My last girl would tear me apart, but she never wanna split a thing with me But when it comes to you, you, I think I lie for you I think I die for you, do things when you want me to Like controller, controller like controller, controller, yeah. And I'm never on a wasting shawty. I do it how you say you want it. Them girls, they just wanna take my money. They don't want me to give you nothing. They don't want you to have nothing. They don't wanna see me find your loving. They don't wanna see me smiling back when they breathe. Zaga.